This is a podcast from the Business Times. As promised, it's coming up to February. And for us at the Business Times, it doesn't mean we're getting all excited about the Lunar New Year or Valentine's Day, but Singapore's budget. Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by the Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips to help you on your money managing and wealth growing journey. I'm Howie Lin. We're recording this right now at the end of January. Budget 2024 is slated to come out on February 16th, right after the Lunar New Year holiday. Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister Lawrence Wong will deliver it to Parliament for debate and approval. So we put the ask out to folks in the industry. What is your Budget 2024 wish list? We have comments from Tan Wei, Analyst Asia at EIU, Jean Kui, Partner, Head of Tax APEC at Mazars, and Yong Jia Hao, Partner, IGH and Manufacturing, Tax, KPMG in Singapore. Important to lay the context in terms of the various challenges that Singapore is facing. That's Yong Jia Hao from KPMG. Inflation, geopolitical uncertainty, climate change and AI. It's been a turbulent few years for the global economy, and companies in Singapore have also been feeling the pinch. Jiahao says that's where Budget 2024 is going to come in. I think the very first challenge of stagnating international performance, which basically highlights the need for Singapore to remain competitive or even to be more competitive. The second, the high cost of doing business, which poses a significant barrier to technological adoption and innovation. And these are two key areas that is very important for businesses in order for them to continue to be competitive. The third challenge, the uncertainty in overseas demand, the geopolitical climate, the high interest rate, etc. And all of these are actually deterrent for internationalization. In last year's budget, DPM Lawrence Wong announced that Singapore will move its corporate tax system to align with international standards set by the OECD. That international standard is called Base Erosion Profit Shifting 2.0, or BEPS 2.0 for short. As part of this plan, starting January 1, 2025, Singapore will have a minimum effective tax rate of 15% for MNCs, with annual group revenues of at least 750 million euros. The change is part of a broader international move to align minimum global corporate tax rates for large MNE groups. Many analysts are hoping Budget 2024 will introduce new tax incentives to prepare for the upcoming BEPS 2.0 shift. There's worry that the new tax regime will negatively impact Singapore's competitiveness. Here's Tan Wen Wei from EIU. So although our country corporate tax rate stands at around 17% now, many MNCs today enjoy tax incentives, which means that their effective tax rate will be lower than 15%. So this entails a domestic top-up tax to ensure that the large MNC's effective tax rate becomes 15%. Although this will mean higher revenue for the Singapore government, but MNC's in Singapore will also be reviewing their operation in light of this. I don't think it's just tax. The Singapore government will also have to do more in other non-tax areas to make up for the higher taxes. We can either improve our workforce quality, also improve our workforce productivity. So instead of waiting till 2025 when we implement Pillar 2, I believe the government can start early by providing more grants in areas such as developing capabilities where Singapore's workforce lacks currently. For example, investments to meet uh, ESG goals, which many of the MNCs are passionate about. And for small and medium enterprises, 
I believe we can also help them to be more competitive by expanding beyond our small domestic market and also build specific capabilities in digitalization and ESG. Second on the top of wish lists is sustainability. Climate change is an existential issue for Singapore. Last week, the Centre for Climate Research Singapore said that the mean daily temperature here could rise 5 degrees Celsius by the end of this century if greenhouse gas emissions are not sufficiently mitigated. At the COP28 World Climate Action Summit in Dubai last month, former Managing Director of the Monetary Authority of Singapore, Ravi Menon, said that governments need to step up support for climate change efforts. Fact is, the world is not investing anywhere near what is required to get to net zero by 2050. There are many estimates out there. We take one by McKinsey. Net zero in 2050 will require about $9.2 trillion of investments each year. But today, only about $5.7 trillion US dollars is being invested. This is more than 35% short of the annual investment required. So to mobilize the necessary capital, the public sector can play a role in reducing risk and improving project bankability. Governments can provide clearer policies and greater regulatory certainty. Analysts have proposed a range of ideas that Budget 2024 could introduce to boost sustainability efforts in Singapore. Here's Tia Hao again from KPMG. The government creating some form of special fund set aside to finance green project. The capital for this fund could come from the government, the private sector, or even the philanthropies, right? Thereby creating a blended finance hub. Other proposals include raising the carbon tax, extending the Energy Efficiency Grant Scheme, which is now slated to expire in March, as well as drawing out a roadmap for ESG talent development. Perhaps on the minds of most of us is the cost of living. I know my wallet's hurting. Granted, the assurance package handout from the government last year of several hundred dollars was helpful. But everything seems to be getting more expensive, especially now that GST is officially 9%. I think that as general elections are around the corner, I expect the government's focus to be more tilted towards alleviating the still elevated cost of living pressures this year. That's Tanun Wei from EIU again. The GST rate hike from 8% to 9% this year, the increase in carbon taxes, which will lead to an increase in electricity bill, and also our water prices are set to increase by 20 cents per litre in April, will all push up inflation this year. We are forecasting that headline inflation will moderate from 4.9% last year to 3.6% this year. So although inflation is already on a downwards trend, we have seen significant price increases from 2022 to today, it has already eroded the purchasing power of many Singaporeans. So while last year, a Minister of Finance has rolled out the September cost of living package, I think that it might still be insufficient and it will be good if Budget 2024 can have more household-friendly support measures tutored to the lower-income families. Still to come, contrarian views when it comes to Budget 2024. More in a moment. The Business Times Podcasts. Relevant. Incisive. Compelling content by some of the newsroom's most respected correspondents in markets, wealth management, and current affairs. Available on all your favorite audio content apps and at www.businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts. And now, back to Money Hacks from the Business Times. 
Welcome back to Money Hacks. Some folks we spoke to think that the Singapore government's already been doing too much. What's the line between government support and indulgence? Here's Kelvin Tay from UBS Wealth Management. I believe that the government in the last five years, and not just the pandemic, is in the last five years, have been very, very generous towards the SMEs. And that is unhealthy in my view to a certain extent because of the fact that if you're always relying on the government's budget for your business, cash flows, etc., you get spoiled. You become less competitive. You develop this crutch mentality and you therefore you know, rely less on R&D, on creativity, on innovation, etc., etc. So that in turn is not healthy for the SMEs and the SMEs are important to Singapore because they are a very big employer. So I hope that the government can fine-tune some of the goodies that they are likely to actually dish out. Other analysts disagree. They think the government's support is still necessary for local businesses to continue growing. Here's Jean Kui from Mazars. The decision to invest is always one that is based on a risk appetite. In order for businesses to be willing and to be supported in making those decisions to grow and to make those investments, a handout or a support or a grant by any other name could help them tremendously. It is not as such as a freebie because I do not think that businesses have been given a lot of freebies, but support measures allowing them to be sharing and being feeling supported by the government is going to take a long, long way in allowing them to facilitate and accelerate potentially the move to go overseas. Besides, government policies are not a free-for-all. Jia Hao from KPMG says that if they're designed well, they can be critical. This support can be structured in such a way that there is a tier level of support. So if there are certain areas such as generative AI, which is feel is more critical for the development of Singapore, there could potentially be a higher support given from those perspectives down to the back-end automation processes, which can be given a lower level of support. We can drive the behavior in the right direction, right? And then after the initial critical stages whereby we start to move the businesses in a certain direction, the government can slowly take away some form of this support. Budget wish lists are fun to think about. But what happens if these measures don't materialize? It will be a challenge, which is why, you know, we are hoping that the government could help to a certain extent, right? Even if it is not in terms of the grants, but by developing certain roadmap that can help develop the necessary ESG talent in Singapore. And I guess that's what's missing. And in fact, we are hearing from a lot of the businesses where it's not just about the cost, right? It's not just about opening the wallet, but it's also the fact that they don't know where to start and where to find the right talent. In terms of the cost-wise, even if there's no support, if the government can come up with some form of roadmap to help the nation develop the talent in this area, I think that's really a good starting point. And hopefully when the cost of doing business come down slightly in the next few years, that's when businesses can start opening out their wallet or that's when the government can come in again to provide some form of grant given that now we have the necessary talent to support the green transition. How hopeful are our analysts that Budget 2024 will deliver? To be honest, I'm very hopeful. Our Budget 2024 recommendations are built against a set of data from surveys that was conducted, set out to help businesses tackle the challenging macroeconomic conditions. Our budget measures are exactly set out to bolster Singapore's position, you know, in terms of the global competitiveness, helping to equip our local enterprises with the right capabilities to digitalize, to decarbonize, etc. 
I'm very hopeful. It is aligned and, and the right step for Singapore to move forward. The steps in regards to the provision of support to services, manufacturing, trading and enterprises is a right one. And it will help tremendously the entrepreneurs and the businesses to move forward. And if they move forward, clearly economy is going to be moving up. And with that, it will also allow those businesses to attract more talents and to grow further Singapore's economy. I'm very positive that it will happen. The question is only whether it will happen now or the day after tomorrow or next year. Thanks to Jean Kui, partner, head of tax APEC at Mazars, Yong Jia Hao, partner, IGH and manufacturing, tax, KPMG in Singapore, Tan Wenwei, analyst, Asia at EIU, and Kelvin Tay from UBS Wealth Management. This has been Money Hacks by The Business Times. I'm Howie Lim. Till next time. This is a podcast by The Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.